This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Hi, I'm Ralph Tucker from Tucker Media. The year 2020 has certainly presented challenges for everyone across the world. In 2020 Revision, I'll chat to a cross-section of the community about their experiences and learnings in this truly unique period of history. From business owners, to professional athletes, to new mums, everyone will share their stories. And to give it an authentic 2020 feel, I've recorded these chats at my kitchen table over Zoom. Trevor Long, welcome to 2020 Revision. Thanks for having me, Ralph. No problem. Now, you're a technology commentator and the editor of EFTM.com. Um, that's my that's my job. That's what I like to say. But really, I'm just unemployed and just doing my best. <laughs> Self-employment is really like unemployment, except you just try and find money every now and then. That's really all it is. Correct. I know the feeling. Now, take us through your 2020. Um, mate, um, I mean, let's start with a downer. Uh, I'm not talking coronavirus. It was a pretty, pretty rubbish start to the year for me. Um, you know, kind of personally in terms of um, friendships and relationships and stuff didn't go great for me at the start of the year business-wise and, and personally, um, which didn't kick us off to a great start of the year, I'll be honest, because it's normally the start of the year is massive for, for me and for us with CES in, in Las Vegas in January. It's a huge revenue. It's a huge event. It's a good lot of fun. So it kind of didn't go amazingly brilliant for me uh, early in the year. And then the bloody Rona hit. So it was kind of... Uh, a bit of a double whammy. And then, you know, with coronavirus starting, it was like, is this going to be a problem? And pretty much everyone I deal with, you know, most of the tech companies that are, you know, kind enough to support me in any way, shape or form on EFTM kind of went, whoa, we don't know what's going to happen here. We're assuming everyone's not going to spend money. So we're just going to stop what we're doing. And so there was a bit of panic, you know. Um, But it's kind of weird, mate, that amongst all that, um, obviously the government, I think, did freaking amazing things to make sure that, um, small businesses, let alone big businesses, could you know keep cracking along. Um, I can't even list the number of little things that happened. You know whether it was state government, federal government, ATO, JobKeeper, and all those things that kind of came together to just you know allow you to get through the year. It's not been amazing, but you know get you through. And then obviously there's a travel ban. And mate, I used to travel. I used to do 70 flights a year. I used to be away. I don't, I don't remember the last count, but you know it was 100 odd nights a year. Um, and so that's a massive change to my lifestyle, let alone my work. And it was weird because both the kind of bad stuff that happened at the start of the year amongst my personal relationships and then the the business stuff just meant family became number one. My wife, my kids, number one, the most important thing. And it kind of, when you look back on the whole year, you go, that's been the best part of it all. Like family has come first and you kind of realise how important it is. Now, having a background in media and obviously being involved in the technology space, I mean, you were obviously consuming a lot of the news and I guess for you, most importantly, was keeping up to date with everything that was happening so you could see what the little holes were in the in the market yeah. or, or whatever or, or what it was that people needed to stay afloat. So just being across all of that and consuming all of that, was that all a little bit overwhelming to begin with? I think... Uh, it- it was it was a good distraction to be honest to begin with because I kind of didn't um, I kind of operate my business in, in a way that 
I've always got a little bit, re- I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go in advance a couple of months. So I don't need to worry about month to month. It's more quarter to quarter. So I didn't stress about money early on. I left that to the accountant to say, you let me know what I can do. when." So let me focus on, you know, work from home. We did so many segments on the radio and the TV about working from home. You know, what do you need? What gear do you need? And all that kind of stuff. Then it went into kind of NBN and then it went into just, you know, the COVID safe app. And we kind of had this just constant roller coaster of little tech stories that really didn't just dominate the tech world. It was serious mainstream stuff. And so that was, for me was a good distraction from the the negativity around and allowed me to focus on just doing my job. And, you know, there's time there where people would say to me, and I get this now and then it's like, geez, you're, you're bloody everywhere. You're on all the time. And like, I'm not on Channel 9 all the time. I'm on a couple of times a week on the Today Show and maybe I'll do a Nine News now and then. But I just think that because people were so focused on watching the news and, you know, viewership went up, people noticed that stuff. And the weirdest part was there was the, once we went into those kind of mini lockdowns, it was like, well, you can't go here, you can't do that. I made the decision that Stephen Fennick and I, we do a podcast together, we would still get together every week and we would, you know, just socially distance and sanitize because he's the only person I see outside of my family every week anyway. And then Channel 9 went, you can't come here. And I'm like, well, uh, what? So the the techs at Channel 9 were awesome. They, they helped me set up uh, the whole thing so that I could do it from here. This is my my EFTM office and I just, I did the Today Show from here for six months. Literally this week and last week were the first times I've been back to Channel 9 in almost six months, just been doing it here on an iPhone and it's been awesome. And technology has literally changed the way I do what I do. It's changed the way people work. And if you think about the tech, it's basically been this, if, if you had a five-year plan as a tech company, all of that happened in six months. It's radical the way people have uptaken Zoom calls, meetings, working from home. There's no excuse for a boss to say anymore, oh, I don't think you should work from home. We just can't cope. I'm sorry. Yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, that's been the amazing part. And obviously I'm recording this from my kitchen table and um, doing it over Zoom as would happen for 2020. I mean, that has become, I guess, the focal point for most people. They were working from home, so they had to have a makeshift office. They had to set up the kids so that they could have a makeshift classroom. It was just one of those crazy things. Now, from a technology point of view, I guess there was a a whole heap of doubt cast upon in a lockdown situation. How is the NBN going to cope? What was your, I guess, assessment of, of that entire period, given the sheer volume of people that were forced into the, the unknown for what a lot of people were for quite some time? Yeah, I, I was asked very early on when kind of work from home or, you know, stay-at-home orders or whatever you want to call them were put in place, you know, will the NBN cope? Now, I've been a long-term advocate of the NBN once it got past its original woes and dramas because, hey, it works for me and it's worked for everyone I talk to. So I was confident. And I, I, you know, you got to, unfortunately, in our game, you've got to put an opinion out. You've got to say, oh, you can't just say, oh, we'll have to wait and see. No one wants to hear that from a, you know, commentator on the radio. So I just went, I think it's been built in such a way that it can cope. And let's be clear, if this happened five years ago, let alone 10, chaos, because we wouldn't have been able to do what we did. So the NBN underpins what we were able to do. And I, I was confident, but it was only a week or two in that NBN were, were pushing out. So being very proactive, putting out graphs about their data usage and stuff that showed, you know, crazy levels of usage. And yet there's, you know, Skype and Netflix and Stan all kind of paired back their, their, their bandwidth usage to help it. But in the end, the NBN coped beautifully with the amount of work from home. I think a lot of people discovered the flaws in their own home setup. So a lot of people 
have great NBN but have really crap Wi-Fi. So, you know, that was a, a solution for a lot of people. And then it was just, the NBN was just a utility and it really always should be. It should just be a utility. It's just the internet comes into the house, just like power and water do. Then it's just, oh, you want better taps, do you, for your water? You want better light switches? Well, now you want a better computer, you want a different keyboard, you want a better standing work desk or something. That was just where, you know, Officeworks and JB Hi-Fi went, thanks very much, you know, everyone's upgrading. So I think, unfortunately, we have a very hated mentality towards the NBN. But if we reflect, the NBN was a huge part of Australia getting through this, uh, this COVID, you know, lockdown. And if you look at it from many people's point of view, when they did have those doubts and then obviously businesses had to, as we mentioned, force their workers to work from home and any mm. sort of doubt seemed to dissipate really because of the worry, oh, are they going to be as productive at working from home? Is the setup going to work? And then all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, we're paying how much money for office space? Yeah, this is yeah. ridiculous. We could be saving like thousands upon thousands because people are, are becoming more productive from home and all of a sudden the CBD, for example, was a ghost town and now yeah. businesses are reassessing everything pretty much. It's like a balance, isn't it? Because you don't want the place to be a ghost town because you want the businesses to rely on the, the workers to, to be supported and to get through. But then traffic, um, you know, office space, you know, um, public transport congestion, all these things play together. I really hope that some innovative politicians, let alone just innovative businesses, actually look back on 2020 and don't just talk about the fact that we we did this and that with vaccines and stuff, but what did we learn from that period and that, that businesses work on, you know, I did a lot of people management when I was at SBS and you sit down with people every quarter and you're, what are you, how are you going at things? Like the conversation should be, where do you feel most productive? On what days do you feel you're least productive at work that you could benefit from being at home? Let's balance that out. Let's stagger people's working hours. So my wife went back to work um, four days a week, Ralph. And, you know, because I'm not traveling for the first time ever, we were able to go, I'll pick the kids up. Oh, that's cool. We get a, we get a babysitter one day a week because just gives me an extra day of, you know, full, full day work. But mate, I, I pick the kids up three days a week. Now, why can't people say to their boss, you know what, Matt, I'll be there at six so I can check out at, you know, 2.30. I want to go and pick the kids up. It is, it's the most rewarding thing to see your kids get off the bus and they run towards their telly about their day. Now, any parent knows that it's the first parent that interacts with the child after school that gets the download. Everyone else is just, how was your day? Yeah, it was all right. What'd you do? Yeah, I don't remember. You got to be the first parent at the bus yeah. stop. So, you know, mate, oh, I really hope that we see some, some studies done into how positive the impacts of COVID have been on families. Um, at the same time, there needs to be the impact on individuals who may have found themselves more lonely in these periods. And that's, I guess, the bigger concern for managers and, and people in business to say that kind of millennial, the younger generation, they may not be coping as well as the parents with kids as with the work from home because they may they may need that social interactivity. They may, they may need to have the water cooler talk. They don't like Zoom calls. So we've got to find the balance. So in your opinion, are traditional work hours now out the window? I think they should be, uh, mm. but unfortunately we've got some pretty rusted on businesses and bosses. So I think that's the, that's the challenge for 2021 is to ensure that no, like if we're going to have workplace regulation, it should be not just about pay, it should be about entitlement to the work-life balance. That should be the fundamental underpinning. If you don't perform in your job as a result of you working from home, hell yeah, get back to the office and get your, 
get your crap in order. But if you are productive, if you're getting a job done, you should be free to work how you want, where you want, when you want. And, and that freedom hopefully gives people longevity at organisations. So, yeah, it should be nine to five. Dolly Parton should be singing a new song. Now, I guess the big thing for people, as you sort of touched on there as well, is the, the commute. People realised how much time they got back due to the lack yeah. of commute. Like for some people, like three hours a day, three and a half hours a day, and then that put into you know, picking up the kids or, or putting the time into homeschooling or or just doing work from home that yep. was otherwise lost on an extensive commute every day. And you think a lot of people are highly critical of the amount of extra time we're working because we're at home and we're able to work from home, right? So I don't really buy into that because I'm the kind of person that wants to work all the time. If I'm not, if I'm not playing with the kids or watching a TV show, I'm happy to be working. I don't mind. It's, it's kind of my, it's my brain working, okay? But if you're a you know office-based worker and you're having to work an extra half an hour a day because you're at home and you're available on a Zoom call, I take that trade off every day of the week mm. over the public transport or the commute. And Ralph, mate, I I don't really commute. My I've got an office four minutes from my house, but I I would drive to the Today Show twice a week, and it's a 35-minute drive at 6 a.m. in the morning, and you know 45 minutes back. It was awesome to just drive to my office, but I still found myself coming at the same time, so it didn't save me on the way there. But the thing is, when I would, and again, very unique, but when I would switch off, okay, we're off air, done, press the button, turn the lights off, I'm at my desk, I'm working, as opposed to switching off, grabbing all the stuff, put it in a box, put it in my car, get in the car, 45 minutes, there's another hour lost. I do I do look at those time savings and go, this is, like, that's productive. And whether it's productive or whether it's just me, you know, having more a relaxed approach to the day, either way, it's, it's a beneficial to me mentally, I think. Let's talk about some of the innovation that we saw during the period. A lot of businesses forced online. Uh, I mean, yep. we saw the huge uptake in anyone that was able to create some kind of desk or anything like that. Uh, there what was about the hand sanitizer oh, creation. Oh no, these stands are amazing. Oh. Who did that? <laughs> and then restaurants, yep. high-end restaurants, forced into take a takeaway away. situation, pretty much. Overnight, I mean, what are what are what were some of the the classic things that that you saw? Which Aussies are renowned for. It's like yeah. out of desperation comes inspiration, almost, and to create stuff to to survive, pretty much. You know, the idea that uh, a high end, you know, Michelin star style restaurant could start doing pickup or even delivery is just it's just crazy. But the innovation there, you know, was them just wanting to keep people working. It wasn't really about making money. Let's be clear, most most businesses weren't making the same money as they were, but it was about connecting, staying connected with customers. And I saw great uses of social media, great uses of of just websites in general, because, you know, a lot of businesses kind of neglect that side of things because they've, they've got a phone number and whatnot. My mum, Ralph, runs a pub in, in central New South Wales in a little, little tiny town called Walker Road. Mate, there's only a pub, a police station, and a train station there, but and so it's not a big business. But when Mum was forced to kind of, um, you know, shut the to shut the doors, I said, "What are you going to do?" And it's on the phone. I drove up straight away. It was just before we were kind of forced into proper lockdown, and I just said, "Make, make four of your best meals. I'm going to take photos of them." And we built a little online menu. I took photos of them, and we, we started using social media. And I took these photos of mum and we opened the front door of the pub, front window of the pub, mum reaching out with a bag, you know, as if to hand someone their takeaway. And she still gets stopped in the, in the shops because what I did, I paid like 50 bucks to boost that post on Facebook to just the local area. And when you're in the middle of nowhere, outside of Tamworth, so you're not hitting that area, you're in the local area, that hits a few hundred people. Yeah, That's more than have ever been exposed to mum 
ever. And so they, it's like you're the lady without hanging out the window. Or Everyone in the community sees it and then obviously it, word of mouth projects that as well. Spot on. Social media became hyper-localised, which I love. And I, I look, Facebook, you know, has its demons, but that hyper-localisation allows you to go, I just want to target this area. Within 25 k's of this place, I want all the people to see this thing. And, you know, I think a lot of businesses found this just like I did. You know, when you go to a, a web page or a Facebook page for someone and it pops up the little chat says, you know, can I help you? You can set up these, these automatic responses. We call them a bot. And I did this for my mum, who's just a Luddite. So she would never, she didn't have a, a Facebook login to her pub. I just set it up, you know, do you want to see our menu? Uh, do you want to know where our open hours? You click these simple buttons and it would automatically send people back the menu. And then next it would say, if you want to, if you want to order, click here to call. And it would just, they would call. Simple things like that. It might not have been hundreds of dollars, but it was it was customers and it was engagement. That plus QR codes. I mean, before the governments even started talking about QR codes, there were businesses going, what, you want people to write? I remember I drove to Orange and Bathurst uh, with Fennec and we went to a pub in Bathurst and we had to write our name and number and everything in a little book. And just weeks later, they were like, no, it's got to be digital. It's got to be in a spreadsheet. And again, my mum went, nah, we're closing the pub. I'm not typing everyone's details into a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I said, just calm down, give me 10 minutes. And I set up a QR code in like 10 minutes. It's so easy. And if there's the product of 2020, it's the QR code. Yeah. Because it was created in 1994 for the automotive industry and it's been sitting there going, why is barcode getting so much love? Boom, we've found <laughs> the need for the QR code and everyone knows how to do it now. It's awesome. So if we look at that and then we look at the the positive side, what were some of the, I guess, the negatives to get through this period? Yeah, I, I think the the challenge for most businesses was staying motivated. You know, you have staff who are not working, um, but still getting paid. And I think that's a real challenge to get people to come back into the business and get working. So there's a motivation thing. There is the potential lack of engagement. If you're not savvy enough to have spent the time and, and effort on social media, you might not have that engagement. So re-engaging is a challenge. And I think if you didn't have a really solid, you know, family and, you know, click group of friends, you could very easily have become quite lonely in this period. And I think, um, you know, Gus Wallen's probably a great example of someone who's advocated heavily for that conversation around mental health at, at this time. And I think the the financial challenge, despite the fact the government did amazing things. So I'll give you an example. I got an email from my accountant saying, you know, here's your um, three quarterly bass or whatever the heck it was that they'd lodged. And there was a decent refund and I don't normally get refunds it's normally a you know quarterly paying out a heap of cash and I went oh that's pretty good that's going to be helpful well then the ATO um you know sent a note saying we, we need to investigate this when they needed everything financial records for the whole year bank oh. statements and I'm like oh this is a pain but you know it was just this it was just this concern that we'd, we'd done something wrong but in the end they were just doing due diligence they were just checking it wasn't until the very end when we got an email saying your audit is complete, that my, my accountant even used the word audit, smart, because I would have lost my you mind. Would have but freaked out. I think that that kind of fear of, of where, what's happening, Melbourne happening, I think created a second wave, not just in Melbourne, I, I feel for everyone that was down there, but of concern. How long is this going to last? Like, how are we going to get out of this? Like, I remember in March and April talking about traveling in December. And I'm not going to travel till December 2021. This is. Like we are smashing it here, but America's stuffed. So we're a long way off normality. And I think it's I think it's good that we're kind of together as a community thinking of Australia doing well, but we need to spend more and travel more in Australia to make this country stay alive. But yeah, I think the negative was really just that loneliness. And it was it was good, mate. I when Melbourne happened, 
because we were kind of doing reasonably well in Sydney, I, um, and this is not to self-guide or self-promote, but it was just kind of a, a story of how people were, were grateful for those little outreaches. I, I just said to, on Twitter, I think I said something like, if you're in Melbourne and you you got kids or you just don't have Foxtel or something, send me a note, I'll send you a voucher for Stan. And man, I got so many, it was overwhelming. And to the point where I bought... Um, on the website, you can just buy gift cards. I'm just every time, same thing over and over again. I got 10 of them, I think it was. And the 11th one, it just rejected me. And I'm like, oh, I haven't run out of money. I checked my card. There's definitely money there. So the system at Stan rejected because it went, there's no one that's buying 11 vouchers. That's just weird. So their fraud system kicked in and went, oh, this uh. can't be right. So I, 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 I sent 10 of them out. And then uh, Mike sees me, the boss of Stan, um, said to me, can, can we help with that? Didn't want any publicity out of it, just just wanted to help. Um, and he, he sent me vouchers that I could just send. So I sent like 150 people stand vouchers. And, mate, even today I get a little note from them on Twitter saying, you know, we're out now and it's it was awesome to watch this show and that show. And I think there was a lot of that really cool community like outreach. And I think we we bonded pretty well as a community, as a, as a country over the whole time. So if we look ahead and you kind of touched on the fact that ticking over to Jan 1, 2021 may not be all sort of rosy, but what are you looking forward to most next year? Look, I'll just say straight up, I am looking forward to travelling again. Um, like I think I want to, want to get through January before I even think about going domestically, um, but I just want to get on a plane again because it's a weird itch that needs scratching. Um, I, I don't think there'll be much international travel next year, if at all, but look, Oh, bring on the vaccine, bring on whatever the conversation is around how travel restarts. Um, and I think that if we see the right kind of numbers over the Christmas period in terms of retail and everything, then hopefully everything gets just a bit back to normal. Luckily, I'm not in the travel game so that I'm not affected directly by the, the lack of international tourism coming in. But uh, I think as long as the big retailers and tech companies are still getting business, then man, I'm just looking forward to a bit of normality. You know, I've been pretty much normal, you know, podcasts every week, you know, doing the stuff. Nothing much has changed if you look at this week compared to the same week a year ago. It's just that I don't have those interruptions of travel. Um, but, yeah, I just – I think I'm looking forward to most seeing Australians support Australia. Like, I want a holiday in Queensland. Let's not get political, but it's just outrageous. We can't go there. Yep. But I, I, I just want to – I want to go to Tassie. And, what, like, I hopefully – we all go, well, if we're not going to spend 15 grand going to America, let's spend it here. People have got cash. I mean, I feel for anyone that is is struggling because they have been out of work, but if that's 10 or 15% of the people, the other 80% are cash up because they've still got a job. They're not spending as much. So we're in a good position broadly to spend that money locally. And I, actually, I reckon there's going to be a lot of that buy local, um, go local will be the theme of 2021, which theoretically can carry us through much longer period than that again. Trevor Long, thanks very much for joining us on 2020 Revision. Cheers, buddy.